Welcome to the Dwellings Podcast. We're glad you tuned in. Enjoy this message by Pastor Gunnar. Look at there. I love those little surprises. My, my kids draw me little things that says, Daddy with an E, Daddy. You can tell we're from Alabama. Oh, today uh, we are continuing our glory series. We're in part 12. Say, come on, somebody. Man, like we're making some progress in this thing. You didn't think we'd make it to 12, did you? Not this year anyway. Um, hey, while we're turning to Ephesians chapter 5, uh, go ahead. First time guest, uh, we're, we're so glad you're here. If you didn't hear this on the way in, just take your uh, camera app out and point at the QR code in the, uh, on the seat in front of you and fill out a connect card for us. We'd love to get to know you a little better. And there's a sign out in the lobby that says connections. Go out there and somebody will be out there waiting for you to get a gift uh, just for being our guest today. And I'm going to do everybody a favor right now and just give you a heads up. Next week's Mother's Day. Okay? You're welcome. So make sure that happens. Uh, bring your mama next week, and it's going to be it's going to be a great day celebrating our women in in this house. And uh, May 22nd, which is a little little ways down the road, we're going to have baptism Sunday. So if you have never been dunked under the water to identify that your life has been uh, redeemed by Jesus and that you're identifying with Him now, go sign up at thedwellingchurch.org/baptism baptism, and we'll get you on that list. Somebody will reach out to you about that. Okay, part 12 of our glory series. Today we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 14. So you can do it, Gunner. All right. I'm standing up today, so there's no telling what will happen, right? You're like, where's this stool? All right. So I'm talking about a new way to live today. We've been talking about um, Ephesians, like the whole book of Ephesians, at least until to where we are right now, is about identity. And it's about who we are in Christ. And uh, I don't know who was here last week. Raise your hand if you were here last week and heard Christian Jay's message. Man, a context for the life that we are called to. So, so good. Go to dwellingchurch.org messages. Listen to that last week. We're also sitting in that context today with, with these verses. Okay, so let's just go ahead and get started. Verse 1 of chapter 5, Paul's talking to the church at Ephesus, and he says this, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. So the therefore makes us look back in front of what we just read, and the context there is our identity in Christ. It's the life that we've been called to. So um, be imitators. Everybody say imitators. Imitators of God. I, um, I went to the doctor this week, and I'm going to be real like, get, I'm going to just throw out all my business. Is that okay? Um, I went to the doctor this week, and I'll be, I just turned 39, okay? So, like in February, so you didn't miss it. Um, but I'll be 40 next February, which is kind of weird, okay? I don't know how I feel about that, honestly, but you know, so... Here's what happens the older you get. Now, some of y'all know this. I won't say who knows this. Some of you know the older you get, the more intentional you have to be about your health. You know, in your 20s, you could just, 
I eat what I want to. I do what I want to. And man, you hit, you hit, you you approach in forty. You're like, oh, I can't, do, I can't do that anymore. And so I got me a new doctor. I say new doctor because I didn't have a doctor. <laughs> I got me a new doctor, and I like women doctors because they listen. Um, and I want somebody to listen to me when I go to the doctor. But women also tell you how, how it really is. They're not going to beat around the bush about it. And so my doctor looked me in the face. She said, well, you do have high blood pressure. And uh, so we're going to tackle that. Now, I'm not one of these doctors that throws medicine at people because I believe God created our bodies to, to work right if we treat it right. And I'm already getting offended by, by that. And she says... So here's the plan. And she takes out a piece of paper and a pen. I'm like, I like this woman. Like, it make it, she's making it simple for me. And she writes out this plan. And she says, here's what we're going to do. And I love this. This is what she said. She said, first of all, we're going to deal with Gunter. She's, yeah, she pronounced it correctly. <laughs> and she says, first of all, we're going to deal with Gunter. And she said, if Gunter does what Gunter is supposed to do... I think we can, we can get that blood pressure down and get you healthy. And I say, yes, ma'am. <laughs> and, uh, and, then, and then she said, now, if that doesn't work, then we'll deal with acreage. I thought that was a neat way to put it. So what she was saying was there are habits, and there's also heredity, Okay. Some things can be solved by habits, the habits that we have in our life. Sometimes that can set us up for success or not. And then there's heredity, and there's the hereditary thing about what you inherited from your parents can either set you up for success or not, right? You might have to work a little harder at some things depending on what's in your blood, okay? Well, I was thinking about that this week, and there's some things about me that not just in my health arena, but also in my personality. And the older I get, I'm saying this on a, if not weekly, a daily basis these days. I sound just like my dad. I sound exactly like my dad. And you know, you, you knew it all along, but then you have kids and you start saying the same exact stupid <laughs> phrases that you hated before and you're saying them now. Yes, they do. They do now. And, uh, and I'm just becoming more and more like my dad. I mean, literally, I'm just, and I was just like, what is happening to me? <laughs> and um, and, and that, that ties in with what we're talking about today because Paul says, be an imitator of God as beloved children. Yeah. Be an imitator of God as beloved children. What he's not saying is be an imitator of God so that you can be a beloved child. He's saying, you are a beloved child. Imitate your father. It's in you. It's not even something, I, I know this in my own life, is the times when I'm trying really hard to imitate God are the times that I think I fail the most. But when I'm convinced that I'm his son, something seems to flow naturally out of me that looks a lot like my heavenly father. And that's what Paul's talking about. The context of living this kind of life, walking in the light, living this new way in the kingdom 
is it hinges on this one thing, identity. It hinges on the fact and on the, on the, on the, uh, the fact that we are actually convinced of who we are. And so that's what we're going today. Religion tells you that you are what you do. But in the kingdom, you do because you are. It's not an outside-in thing. It's an inside-out thing. Yeah. And so you got, you've got, just like I'm becoming more and more like my daddy, because it's in my blood. You've got the blood of Jesus coursing through your veins. It's in your spiritual DNA to be like your father. And so we had a conversation about caterpillars and butterflies at our house last night. One of, one of our family members doesn't care too much for caterpillars. And, uh, and one of our family members made the suggestion that we should make a, we should plant the plants that butterflies lay their eggs on. And the other person, no, 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 <laughs> let's don't do that. But I, I got to thinking about this today. You know, for, for many years of my life, I had big, beautiful wings, but I crawled around like a worm. I was, I was acting like something I wasn't because I wasn't convinced of who I was in Christ. You hear me? Have you been there? It's just the preacher, right? Every command, therefore, every command in Scripture has a context. And the context is your identity. Jesus never asked you to do anything that's impossible because he's put everything in you to make it possible. So every command in Scripture, and we're going to read some of these, every command in Scripture is a promise because every command that Jesus gives us carries with it a grace to accomplish it. So you're not on your own. Jesus, before he, he left, he said, I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. Who did he leave with us? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. And that's what, that's what makes it possible. And so grace is not this license to do whatever we want in sin. Grace is the power to live the life that Jesus died for us to live. Yeah. And so that's why we say around here, this is our mantra. We create spaces for people to encounter God as a father discover their identity, and fulfill their purpose. Everybody's looking for purpose, but I don't think you really find your purpose and walk in it until you realize who you are. And I don't think anybody can really find out who they are, who they were created to be, without an encounter with their father that changes everything, that rearranges their life, changes how they see themselves and therefore how they see their purpose on the earth. I, for years, I was constantly just trying to serve God. Maybe if I do this right, maybe I won't screw it up too bad. And Jesus turned my world upside down when he opened my eyes to who I was. And I began to notice, oh, this is what God says about me. And it changed everything. And I just believe today that God's gonna turn on the light bulbs all over this room and to people watching online to, to, to bring us all into a deeper understanding of who's, who's made us to be. You want that? Amen. Do you know there's always more? There's always more with God. So even though you know as much as you think you know, there's more. There's more. And there's a deeper reality he wants to bring us into. 
So fulfilling your purpose is demonstrating the Father's heart to your generation. How do you do that? By being who you are in him. What does it look like? And Paul says in verse 2. You still with me? Verse 2. Yeah, it took me that long for one verse, but we're going to get there, okay? (laughs) Number two, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Everybody say, walk in love. Pete Scazzaro, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, read it. He's, he calls it being transformed by love. John Wesley called it becoming love. When you're so changed by his love that you actually become it to those around you. And when people meet you, they might as well be meeting Jesus because you've become so much like him because you've let his love fill you. I'm not there yet. <laughs> How about you? But we're getting there. We're getting there. It's the goal. And you say, is that even possible? Yes. Well, Jesus, Jesus wasn't just a model for us. He was the pioneer for us to make it possible for us to live his life. This is my, my mantra, and y'all heard me say, I'm going to say it until I'm blue in the face, and then I'm dead, and it's probably going to be on my tombstone. And at my funeral, what Jesus modeled for us, Holy Spirit empowers in us and through us. What Jesus modeled for us, the life that he lived, the way he treated people, the way he walked in love, the way he healed the sick, raised the dead, cast out demons, the way he responded in every situation to religious spirit and all of that stuff. You and I have access to that kind of life. I'm not always walking in it, and the reason why is because I don't believe that I have access to that kind of life by the Holy Spirit that lives in me. Jesus is not a liar, is he? He called the life that he's given us abundant life. And I'm not talking about money and cars. I'm talking about a river of living water flowing out of us to everybody we meet. It ought to look like something to belong to him. It ought to look like more than church if we belong to Jesus. This is an identity thing. It's an identity thing. It's a new way to live. So Paul speaks in the following verses with all of that in mind. That was our foundation, okay? So starting in verse 3, here's the hard part, okay? Listen to what he says. But sexual immorality... In all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Verse 4, let there be no filthiness nor foolish talk or crude joking which are out of place. But instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this. Everyone who's sexually immoral or impure or is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. How about that one? That's one of those verses in Scripture you're like, oh, oh. You know, you get a little uncomfortable in church, and you get uncomfortable when you read it, and you're like, okay, what's Paul? Why's Paul got to beat up on everybody? What you say with Paul? Like, what? why are you just coming at us so strong? 
But I want to I want to I want to help you put it in context of what he's talking about. He's talking about this is the way a person lives when they are a son of disobedience. This is the way a person lives when they are disconnected far from God and are okay with it. Who is Paul talking to in the book of Ephesians? Believers. So he's talking to you and me in these verses, and here's what he says. He's not threatening people that, hey, if you don't act right, you're going to become a son of disobedience under the wrath of God. No, what he's saying is sons of obedience are under the wrath of God. You're a beloved son, and you're a beloved daughter. Don't act like the other ones. It's an identity thing that what we do flows from who we are. Religion will tell you you are what you do and the shame heaps on you for the rest of your life and you can't get out from under it and so you just keep doing good things until you just kind of use it as a drug. You know church can be a drug? You know serving can be a drug? You know the Bible study, Bible reading and watching every preacher on YouTube, you can, that can be a drug. Because we can use it to cope with the fact that we know we are just really jacking it up. <laughs> but when we finally realize that because of what Jesus did on the cross for us, he didn't just give us eternal life. He gave us life right now and he changed our identity from the inside out. And the new me is a dead me and I'm alive in Christ. The old gunner was dead and Jesus is living in me and Jesus doesn't want to sin. So when I do, it's because I've disconnected the reality of who I am from my life. So, there's a key word in the middle of that. It says, he lists all this bad stuff, and then he says, which are out of place. The original word gives this uh, context of uh, wrong place at the wrong time. You ever been in the wrong, wrong place at the wrong time? Well, what Paul's saying is, sin, if you're a believer, if it's in your life, it's in the wrong place at the wrong time. That's your past. Jesus has delivered you from the kingdom of darkness, and he's put you in a new kingdom. So don't live like the old kingdom. Don't live like you used to. Don't live like your old dead heart used to live. Live this new way, this new way of the kingdom. So... Here's what I want you to hear before I go any, any further. If you're, if you're caught today, if you're caught up, if you're ensnared, if you're in chains, if, if you are addicted and you say, I can't get free from this, I, can't, I just can't get away from this sin, I can't, I can't get free I want you to hear what God's saying to you today. If you'd say, Gunner, this past week, I just really screwed it up. And you're feeling the shame of it right now. Let's just be real. Can we be real? Like, listen, I've been, I've been doing this for a while. I've had people coming to me and say, look, for years I sat in church and I carried this weight and I carried this shame. And if I'd have just opened up about it and been honest about it, I could have gotten free. But here's what I want you to, I want you to hear. 
I want you to hear the Father's heart pulling close and whispering in your ear. Hey, son. Hey, my daughter. That right there that's in your life, that's not who you are. That's not you. And the power to overcome that is already in you. By my power, what I did on the cross, I made it possible for my spirit to come live inside of you and live my life in and through you. It's not shame. Don't feel that shame thing heaping up on you. Just know it's not who you are. It's one some of the things that we did when we were raising our kids. We haven't raised them perfectly. We, we've been, you know, we haven't been perfect parents. But one of the things that we've tried to do is when we had to discipline to let them know that they are not what they just did. Maybe you burst out in anger. That doesn't mean you're angry, the angry person. See, a lot of times we take our struggle and we make it our identity. And once we believe it's who we are, it's real hard to get free from. Well, my dad was that way, so I'm just going to be this way. Well, my mom struggled with that, so I struggle with it. It's who I am. That's not true. It's not true if you're in Christ. Because you're not just a changed creation, you're a new creation in Christ. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You got big, beautiful wings. Don't crawl around like a worm. This is the context of what Paul's saying. We don't have to live that way anymore. And so then he says in verse 7, Therefore, don't become partners with them. Who? Sons of disobedience. Here's what he's saying. You don't wear that jersey anymore. You're not on that team anymore. You're on a new team. Verse 8. This is the favorite. This is my favorite part. I hope y'all still awake out there. I can't really see some of y'all. Verse 8. For at one time, get, get this one. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Here's what he doesn't say. He doesn't say at one time you were in darkness and now you're in the light. He says at one time you were darkness, but it's worse than you thought it was. But it's better than you think it is because he says you're not only in the light, you are light. You're a burning one. You're a shining one. Because the light of the glory of Jesus, glory, where's my little thing at? Glory is what's inside of you. It's who you've become in Christ. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are the light in the Lord. Walk that way. Act that way. The only reason, only way I'll act that way if I, is if I believe that way. So be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Matthew 5, 14, you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hill. Let your light shine before men so that they'll see your good deeds and glorify your Father. Could it be that glory 
this whole series that we're talking about, year of glory, all that. Could it be that glory is resting on our willingness to partner with what God says about who we are so that his glory can be known in our city? What if the only thing waiting on revival is us just, oh, this is who he says I am. I'm going to live that way. What if that is revival? What could happen if we just said, this is who I am. Therefore, not only can I live this way, but I am going to do it. And when I don't, I'm going to get back up again and not wallow in shame. I was going to save this for another time. I wish I had my whiteboard right here. Cycle. I want you to just picture a, a cycle with me. So up here, I just screwed up. I just sinned, right? The top of the circle. I feel conviction over my sin. I feel sorrow. There is this godly sorrow that leads to repentance, Paul says, right? So repentance would keep me going around the circle. But many times what we call repentance is we feel this, the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Thank God for that. And we feel sorrow. And then we slip down into shame. And we think we've repented because we cried about how, what we did. But what if the conviction comes, the, the sorrow comes, and then we repent and repentance. What if true repentance is not just wallowing down in here until maybe I've paid my dues by being so sorry about what I've done. What if repentance actually looked like making full circle back to who God says we are? What if, full, what if repentance is not complete until we've changed our mind about who we are? Until we, until we agree with what God says about us. Because that's why we went down the slope in the first place. Forgot who we were. Are y'all still with me? Making any sense this morning? Are light bulbs coming on? You think I'm crazy? It's right here. Okay. And because you are light... You can shine in a dark place. Hallelujah. People come to me all the time. Pastor, pray for me. Those people I work with. Nobody loves Jesus. It's a really dark place, Pastor. And I'm like, maybe that's why you're there. Maybe that's why Jesus put you in the place that you are. Because you're not only walking in the light, you not only have the light inside you, but you are the light. So it makes sense to me that God would say, here's my, my flaming one, let's throw them in the darkness <laughs> and let them light it up. You know that's your calling, right? Not just to shine in this building on Sunday, but to shine on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. To shine with your kids when you're changing their diapers. To shine with your students as you're teaching them about science. To, to shine when you're crunching numbers and you're, you're selling cars. Whatever you do, you're called to shine because you are the light. Be the light. Be it. So, verse 9. For the fruit... 
of light is found in all that is good and true and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Say expose. For it is shameful to even speak of the things that they do in secret. Verse 13, but when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Worship team, y'all come on up. In 2007, we were, I was a youth pastor, and we were preparing to, to do a mission trip, inner city Memphis, and um, do some day camps for kids and all that stuff. I got up that morning about five o'clock in the morning, and I was taking a shower, and I ran my hand across my neck right here, and there's a knot. And I thought, what is that? And so I told my wife, I was like, hey, I got a knot. You feel that? Yeah, I feel that. And so we went on with the trip and actually went to an urgent care place down there because the ladies on the trip was like, you need to go to the doctor right now. And so I went to the doctor and they were like, you know, it's probably just a swollen lymph node. Like, you'll, you'll be fine. Here's an, go ahead and start taking this antibiotic and then see your primary care physician when you get home. Well, I did. And by the time I got home, it's like visibly swollen, like my neck. And um, I went to um, my doctor at the time, and he said, you know, I just feel like we need to get this biopsy. And so they put me under, and they cut it out. And I remember waking up in the little post-op, and I looked in the hallway, and my wife has been crying pretty hard. And I thought, this can't be good. And so the doctor comes in later and they said, we, we're going to send this off to make sure, but I'm 99% positive you have cancer. Many of you have heard that news, gotten that news before, and you know the, the gut punch that is. And so what does that mean? Six months later, chemotherapy and all that. And praise God, I'm, I'm clean. I've been in remission since 2008. But, um, but I will never forget... I'll never forget that, that first doctor's appointment with my oncologist, Dr. Davidson. And I walked, I walked in there and I got the PET scan. He ordered a PET scan. And in a PET scan, you, you drink this nasty stuff. And then they run an IV in you and they fill you up with some more nasty stuff. And then they run you through a machine that takes a picture of your, your body. And the nasty stuff is there to expose the cancer on the pictures. And so what happens is the, the chemicals in your body, you know, and all that stuff, the sugar, the cancer cells eat up the sugar in the stuff, and then it starts showing up on, on the scan where they can see exactly where the tumors are. And, uh, and I had a chain of lymph nodes going down into my chest, I had tumors in my chest, didn't know where they were there. The only reason I knew is I had a knot right there. And, um, and Dr. Davidson comes in with the results and he's got them in his hand and he says, he was always funny, he walks in and he says, boy, you lit up like a Christmas tree. I'm like, well, I'm glad you're so happy about it. Like, what's your problem? Um, but just as that PET scan was designed to expose what I didn't even know was there, 
God's Holy Spirit and His Word shines a light on our hearts and exposes the things that, get this, aren't supposed to be there. They're not supposed to be there. They don't belong there because we're children of light. But sometimes we need that exposure to happen to show us just what it is that is keeping us from being all that Jesus has died and raised for us to be. And so you think about cancer. It's the reason it's deadly, the reason it's a killer sometimes is because it's undetectable, right? Matter of fact, the earlier you detect it, the better off you are. Things that can be hidden are the things that are dangerous. Think about the, the guy with the knife in the alleyway, you know? The lion in the grass. Why is it dangerous? Why is it a killer? Because you don't see it until it's too late. It's the same with sin. Until you shine the light on your issues, until you let vulnerability lead and you just, hey, I'm an open book to God and I'm an open book to my brothers and sisters in Christ. You will not be free or find healing. I can tell you that from a fact, for a fact from someone who's lived in the darkness as a children of light, as a child of light. Letting things, letting things stay there that didn't belong in my life. Now, I'm saying this to shame you today. I'm saying this because today could be for numerous people in this room, the day that you start your journey of freedom. And you, the day that you start your journey out of addiction. There's hope. But I'll tell you what the first step of obedience is. Confession. And what confession does, God, I know this, I see this. You, you're showing me right now you're showing me as that preacher's up there right now what the issue is in my life and I'm confessing it to you. And then to take it another step and to say to the body of Christ, to those who love you and wanna walk through this thing with you and walk you out of freedom because how many know we're all jacked up? <laughs> Y'all left me up here hanging on that one. They like, you jacked up. We're all jacked up. We've all got issues. We're all walking out of Egypt. All of us. But you need some people, somebody, not everybody needs to know all your issues, but somebody needs to know so they hold you accountable. And not just account, you know what accountability is? It's holding you account for your ability. It's, 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 yes, there is another life on, this, on the other side of this. Don't live, in, don't live in this discouragement, disillusion. There is hope on the other side. Let's go. Let's walk together. So I want to ask community leaders to come on up. Those of you that are here. Georgia Gretchen, are you in here? Chuck and Shay, Hope and Jonathan. Y'all come on up here. And here's how we're going to end today. The invitation is to bring your darkness to the light. And so we're providing some ministry uh, leaders up here today to, to pray with you, to, to shoulder burdens with you, 
whatever it looks like in your life. But here's what I want you to do today. Whether it's somebody in this room or somebody you need to get on the phone with this afternoon and just start the conversation of bringing your issues to light. Can you do that? Can you do that? I remember I had a guy in college. I talk a lot about him around here. He discipled me. His name was Harvey Crawford. Turkey hunting. Alabama. If there's, if there's ever been an Alabama boy, it was Harvey. But Harvey would pull me aside and ask me hard questions and make me sweat. Made me real uncomfortable. Hey, what's God saying to you? Hey, how you doing in this area of your life? Um, this is awkward. Do you know what it did? It got me free. Because I had somebody walking with me. So let's all stand on our feet. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information, visit thedwellingchurch.org.